Welcome to the Overanalyzers. I'm Dan. He's Mike. We decided to do a challenge. Eight minutes a day, 30 days, meditate. I had never meditated before. I guess you do it fairly often, right? Uh, no, I had recently started to dabble and get interested, and I had gone through a couple short stretches of doing it and then falling off, doing it again. So a little bit, but not a lot. All right, so what we're going to do is play a clip from us uh, 30 days ago. We tried to predict how we would feel about meditating for 30 days. Yeah. All right, hopefully this works. The setup here is a little bit low tech. Okay, here we go. Well, okay, how do you think it will go? I think I'm going to get extremely frustrated. I think, especially at the beginning, I will feel like it's really stupid because that's always been my experience with meditation. It feels like a waste of time. It's like, okay, this is fun. Well, it's not fun at all. And it's a waste of my time. Like, why don't I spend eight minutes like actually doing something instead of sitting here thinking about how I'm not thinking about anything, you know? <laughs> okay. Well, all right. But, uh, yeah. All right, for me, I have a slightly less awful perception of meditation. But I think for me, it'll be adherence. That's the problem. I, you know, have aspired to do it and I'll, I'll kind of go through bursts where I do it and then stop and do it and stop. And sometimes I sit there and I'm like, I hate this. This sucks. This isn't fun or rewarding or anything. Other times I'm like, oh, this is good. And I feel like this is helpful to me. But adherence is the problem for me. And it will actually be pretty difficult to do 30 days and not miss any. Like, I know that, that we have to because it's the challenge, but, like, that's going to be hard for me. Like, well, what's the benefit of doing it for 30 days? I, I don't know. We'll find out. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Right? That's the point. It's an experiment. Yeah. We both do it for 30 days. I might walk away going, nope, sucks. I hate meditation. And you're like, oh, my God, I've been changed. I, it, you know, completely transformed my being or whatever. I, I low-key think that I will like it by the end. But I know that at first I'm going to hate it. And I'll, it's going to suck that I'll probably be wrong about being so negative about it, you know? I but think... that's probably what will happen. That you... I mostly want to do this so that you have to do it. <laughs> right. Because I, I think that you, like hold on to minutes too closely. You're like, eight minutes, I can't... I can't give that up. I know. I can't waste eight minutes just relaxing and being peaceful. Like, eight minutes is nothing. Yeah, when you have all... Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> right. Man. Well, before we start, <laughs> I'm going to open my beer that I forgot to cheers up with. But... Yeah, you sh I already got into mine. Black Butte Porter. What do you, what do you have? A blue moon mango wheat. I don't wow. know. Wow. Fancy. It was a gift. Top shelf. Um, yeah. All right. So you had about the worst, worst perception of meditation that you could have, could have thought of. Utter waste of time. How did it go? I, How did it go? It's been actually a little bit longer than, than 30 days. We ended up 
delaying this podcast a little bit. So it's it's been a good chunk of time. How'd it go? It went exactly how I thought it would go. At first, I was super resistant and abnormally frustrated at the mm-hmm. idea of having to sit there for eight minutes. I mean, I was like, I got angry. No, you were kind which... of messaging me when we were going through the, the book a little bit. Just real quick, we we picked up the uh, book called Eight Minute Meditation, I think. We were using that as a bit of a guide. So that's yeah. that's where we're coming from. Yeah, and the, I think the book itself is what made me so upset. Yeah, you were, you were mad. Yeah. But, yeah, so I was really frustrated at first. Maybe we get into that a little more later. Yeah. But after a couple days, it ended up going pretty well. And I was also right about being wrong about being negative. And it yeah. did turn out to be pretty cool. And I'll probably keep doing it. I'm not like a different person and my whole life has not changed. But it it's I'm happy I did it. And yeah, your original take was that it's utterly in every sense a complete waste of time and you were being robbed of eight minutes that could be spent on some other infinitely more valuable thing although to be fair like you said your other take was that you're gonna think that and then you'll come (laughs) around and you had a weird multi-dimensional prediction there well it was entirely right so a yeah. good job but but how was your experience with it because you were mostly focused on just keeping up with it every day right yeah well i i was the one who offered this challenge to us because i wanted to do it for the same reason that i got the the discord community to do the pull-up challenge with me is because i really wanted to do that but i knew that on my own it was unlikely to ever happen same thing here I had tried meditation. It was interesting to me. I felt like it was a good thing, but I just could not keep up with it. And so doing this challenge got me to do it. I I don't know that I had a real strong prediction at the start there for what would happen. And I would say in some kind of superficial respects, it was a letdown. Because I have spent part of the reason why I wanted to do it was because I've read all these accounts of people getting into meditation and just all the wonderful, magical things that it will do for you. You hear all these stories of somebody whose entire life was changed and they suddenly are a different person because they meditate for a few minutes every day and it's this magical thing and they they lose weight and they have 10 times more energy and they sleep better and they love their family again and whatever. None of that happened. But there were some things that happened that I would say weren't really part of the marketing material that I have started to become really, really interested in and started to really value. We can get into those things soon, but I intend to continue to meditate uh, indefinitely for, for as long as I am able. I'll put it that way. I think it's actually a really valuable thing for me. But you did just say that you didn't get that much out of it. Well, I didn't get all the magic stuff. Okay. If you search, what is the goal of meditation? This is what you come up with. I collected some of my favorites. Okay, awesome. And this 
this is why I was so frustrated with it. It's this fluff around it. Yeah, that's a that, that's the gentlest way to put it that I could think of. The amount of the fluff bullshit around fluff it. around yeah. meditation is what drives me up a wall. But okay, so I searched what is the goal of meditation. Here's some of my favorites. This is like number one. To create a sense of calm and inner harmony. Like, okay, that one's not too bad, right? Yeah, sure, yeah. To become calm and harmonize with it, I guess. I don't a little, know what little vague, that really okay. means. Yeah. To attain the highest level of consciousness possible. It's getting a little weirder, yeah, a little, right? A little, little fluffy, but okay. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. To connect the mind and body. As if we didn't have a neck or something, right? <laughs> right. Like, they're already connected, guys. Uh, to learn to live more fully in the present. Also, what does that actually mean? Right. A little hard to define. I would say I disagree, but... Yeah. But little... really, does that, does that actually help us? Um, to align with the universal life force. Yeah, not a fan. I mean, does does that mean sit across from the universal life force, or you know, how do you get aligned with with that? It doesn't make any sense. Okay, it sounds great, but it it doesn't mean anything. And then, what is the goal of meditation? Whatever you want it to be. Which that, that's a great one. It's sure. That, it's okay. true. Next one is there is no goal. Okay. <laughs> the next one to enjoy the process oh that's kind of like a snake eating itself right <laughs> yes and then this one was in the book which is why i hated the book this is how he words it meditation is not the goal it's the journey in just the act of sitting down to meditate you've already achieved your goal pretty great huh talk about a win-win situation okay. with an exclamation point at the end and that's like the general answer to what is the goal of meditation on right. the internet. So that's why I was so resistant to it. It's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, what the hell is it, people? Yeah, when like, you when you read it off like that and compare all of these things, it's a little bit not compelling. Put it that way. So what is the goal of meditation? Here... Here's what I think it is for me. I hate to be a little bit not concrete about it, but clearly people do meditation and they have different intentions and different goals and they want different things. Some of those things they want are very, very silly. Others are really concrete. You know, I'm super stressed out. My job is awful and I want, I want to be more relaxed. I want that calm and harmony. Uh, here's what I want from it. To me, my definition of meditation is putting your attention on one thing, so usually something really boring, and keeping it there. That is that is my goal when I meditate. That's that's to me the thing that I am trying to do. It could be I I put my attention to the sound of the air conditioner running. Or really common one, you pay attention to the feeling of my own breathing. 
the my my thought or the the way I kind of see this now is that your attention is a bit like a flashlight beam. I think I mentioned this last week too, although we were more talking about focus, but you're it's awfully similar. Your attention is like a flashlight beam. And it's if you think about all of the information that is entering your brain at once, it's actually staggering. It's a lot. You know, think about the feelings that you have in your left palm. If you if you stop and you pay attention to that, you notice that there's actually a bunch of sensation there. You can feel, you know, the weight of your hand and tingling in your fingers or whatever. And that that's there all the time, 24/7, every day, but you never pay attention to it because you're paying attention to something else. But that that information is coming into your brain and your brain is discarding it. And the the sounds that are around you, you it's information coming in that you discard and all kinds of feelings and even the sensation of your own breathing. So what what you can do is point that flashlight beam at certain things. It's like being in a dark room and maybe there's this painting on the wall that you never see because you never point the flashlight beam at it, but you can do that. You can point the flashlight beam there and and illuminate the painting. You can illuminate the feelings in your your hand or your head or your shoulders or you know listen to the sounds around you, that kind of thing. That's my definition of it and that's my that's what I'm trying to do when I do it, which is it's to put my attention on one thing and keep it there. The obvious follow-up question is why the hell would you want to do that? What is the point? But I'll get to that in a second. What is your take on it? What's how would you define it or what it is what is it that you're trying to do when you meditate? Well, that was something that I was trying to figure out in this because when yeah, we first started, I'm thinking, okay, well, the ability to focus and paying attention to my own thoughts, those are all really cool things to do and I am very interested in that. But then you introduce the word meditation and it has all this weird connotation to it. Yeah. Uh, and you're not totally sure what it is because all the definitions are like this and they don't make any sense until you read a bit more. But so I'm trying to think, well, what am I going to do in that eight minutes? You know, what do I actually want to achieve? And the book itself is not giving me anything. And so I, after a couple of days, I kind of just put that aside and decided to do what I think yeah. would be good for me. And then I skimmed through the book a bit more and I started learning a little bit from it, but, and doing my own research. So what did I want to do? Pretty much the same thing. See what it's like to, to focus on one thing and observe the other thoughts that are coming mm -hmm. between you and that thing. You know, why does your brain drift to, I don't know, the dumbest, simplest things? I don't know. And I want to know why that's happening. But I think there was kind of a breakthrough on day, probably day four or something. It, one, two, and three was just like pure frustration. And I'm trying to like come to grips with what I'm actually doing. You, you day said number four... Sorry, you said that you actually logged the different days and kind of made some notes on that, right? Yeah. I wish I had done that. I didn't. Um, yeah. But so that's what I didn't log at. every day, but yeah, almost yeah. every day. Uh, here, day one is angry, uncomfortable, probably doing it wrong. Can I be done now? This feels <laughs> like math homework. Uh, yeah. Which I haven't done math homework in forever, but it's just, it was something that I really didn't want to do. I didn't want to sit down and waste my time. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, I wrote this. I didn't plan on sharing this, but um, 
All the useful information in this book could be condensed into a two-page pamphlet. That pamphlet would be blank, and I would still throw it away. That's how I felt about All right, hold on. I want to defend the book a little bit. So... It it gets better. This this book had a very specific audience. This book was into... This was 8-Minute Meditation by... I cannot remember who. So sorry, but we'll link it. This book was intended for people who thought that meditation was a really good thing to do, but had excuses for it or felt like they couldn't fit it into their schedule. So this book was as if a cheerleader was hit with a magic wand and got transmogrified into a book. That's, yeah, that's... And so it's a cheerleader book. It's to try and encourage you. You can do it. You only need eight minutes. It's so easy and it's going to be great. And it's very much this... You weren't the person that this book was written for. I wanted science and I wanted... Right. You wanted to be convinced about why doing meditation would be beneficial to you. That's not what this book was trying to do. And I think I had encountered enough of those other, like the, the little bit more involved, like I've read papers on meditation and looked at some of the, the studies and whatnot. So I was already a little bit more on board with the idea. Right. And yeah, it was probably me just yes. expecting so, something totally different and being really disappointed. Right. Your uh, extremely bitter take on this book I just, I mostly think comes down to that is that it was not written for you. But anyway, but go go ahead with your... All right, so with your log. day two, still like just pure frustration for eight minutes. It was awful and did not work. By day three, I realized that I needed to change how I was approaching it. Like what I was doing obviously was not working, you know. So yeah. by day four, I don't know, like halfway through, I'm I'm trying, like I just totally let go of the book. I'm like, the meditation has nothing to do with this book. I'm going to sit here and observe my thoughts and try to, I don't know, just simplify things. I don't know. It was really weird, but I'm trying to figure out what to do. So I probably like halfway through about four minutes, I think, well, what is the, the calmest possible scene that I can imagine? So I just immediately jump to this totally flat glass ocean, just as far as you can see. And you're just floating above it in the middle. Pretty cliche. And it's, you know, sunset or something, but that's what my brain jumped to. And then I'm thinking, okay, weightlessness. So I'm like sort of floating above this. And then I'm sitting on, I don't know why, but I'm sitting on like this giant stone sphere. Okay. So I'm just standing on this or sitting on this stone sphere in the middle of this totally glass ocean. And I realized at when I started picturing this, it was just like this perfect uh, what he actually calls in the book, this anchor point. He uses breathing, but I was using it as a a visual thing. And I'm focused on this visualizing scene thing. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden I'm like totally calm and I feel really good. Like this is exactly where I want to be. And, you know, I'm still kind of being distracted here and there by other random mm-hmm. things, but I'm trying to just pull it right back in and keep focusing on just picturing this, scene and I lose track of time and I'm enjoying it and I'm you know practicing my focus and trying to hold this scene in my head and it's very calming and very nice I mean it's stuff I've done before but to actually treat it as its own thing it became really interesting and 
and fascinating to me. And then the timer goes off and I'm like, oh, that was actually pretty enjoyable. So I realized right then I was like, okay, let's let's trash the book for now. Come back to it later, maybe. But this can be useful to me because, you know, it's not like I encountered some spiritual enlightening or something. Not saying other people don't, whatever. But for me, you know, it's just this was a very nice feeling and Mm -hmm. and something I have experienced before. But that's that was sort of the breakthrough is is day four for me. Okay, it's nice that happened relatively early. Yeah, Uh, but what I realized was the the anchor point was really important. I tried mixing it up. So after a few more days of focusing on on scenes, like visual scenes, mm-hmm. that was very useful. But I wanted to try doing, you know, focusing on breathing. And that to me wasn't quite as powerful as picturing a whole scene. But I don't know. I mean, do you typically just focus on on breathing? That That's a common theme through everything yeah. I've read is, is finding one thing to focus on. It's not like, because I, before I thought meditation was all about not thinking or or like saying no to every everything that came along mm-hmm. and trying to just be totally still but actually in all of them or maybe I'm wrong but it seems like in all of them it's all about focusing on one single thing mm-hmm. and saying no to everything else as if your brain really can't stop thinking i yeah i i think that i agree with that take i bet i'm sure that many people don't but that was a, a a little bit of a gradual revelation to me too, which is that it's the objective isn't to make your mind blank and not allow thoughts in because that's just does not seem to be a realistic thing to do. You could be unconscious, although even when you're asleep, you tend to dream and, and everything, right? Anyway, you had said something a while ago that really fit with that line of thinking we were talking about focus and i had said something like you know you could focus on a tv show or something like that and you were like that's not really one thing because tv is full of stuff and there's action and scene changes and there's all kinds of stimulation that happens so you're not really focused on one thing you're focused on a lot of things and i think that in Pretty much anybody can open Reddit or Facebook or your favorite, you know, doom scrolling experience and stay focused on that for a long time. You hate yourself by the end of it, but you can stay focused on that. It's one thing only in the loosest sense. It's mostly a bunch of context switching and all these kinds of things being shoved at you. But let's, for the sake of this concept let's just say you're focused on one thing but it's really easy to focus on that one thing because it's constantly changing and being stimulating you can scroll reddit for a long time right that's what it's built for you could back that up a little bit and focus on a movie which is still a lot of stuff happening but it's much more constrained you're in some universe you have some set of characters it's not abruptly switching to violence and then sexuality well it is but it not like not to the same degree that uh reddit is or something like that right it's when i say that out loud it sounds silly but you get what i mean a movie is simpler it's 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 more it's closer to one thing than scrolling through reddit is and i have found i'm kind of jumping ahead here a little bit but 
one of the the major real benefits that I've started to to reflect on and, and think about with meditation is this just observing my attention and how it how it works for something like let's say a TV show. It for a long time if if I sat down to watch a TV show, my first feeling was this is a waste of time. You know, I'm I'm not doing anything productive. I don't really love TV all that much. So it felt like you know, I don't really want to be here. I'd rather kind of have my phone out and, you know, do things on there or read articles and things like that. For whatever reason, that just felt like a more valuable thing to do with my time. But after having thought more about this idea of meditation and attention and everything, even a television show or a movie can be a bit of a challenge for me to focus on. And I mean, you know, sit there for, if it's a movie, two and a half hours or whatever and not let my attention drift. You know, not start thinking about other random things or or you know, worst case even pull out my phone and start doing something completely different and then letting my attention go somewhere else and then re-engage with the show and then back and forth. And I think that that's what a lot of people do, me included. I mean, that's a pretty common state of being is having this secondary screen. Um so there to me it feels like there's even this opportunity to practice meditation in the very loosest sense while watching a movie or something just staying focused on it and not letting my attention go other places and that's a pretty that's a relatively easy thing to stay focused on but as you start moving down the chain of what what is more boring than a, a movie or a tv show it's actually it's it becomes harder as you watch older things because older films and TV shows weren't that good or weren't as good as we are now, or maybe they just didn't need to. Uh, they, they weren't as good at holding your attention by constantly giving you new stimuli and, and, you know, provoking you in a sense. So even just watching older things, we were watching Cowboy Bebop last night with Sam and it was a little bit of a challenge to, it's an older show. It's a little slower and it's not even that old, but it's still like, okay, I'm going to practice my focus on this, TV show. And as you you kind of move down the chain into uh, simpler and more singular things and meditation, the actual act of like me sitting down in a, in a quiet room and closing my eyes and setting a timer and trying to meditate is to try to really practice on like the furthest point of that, of just paying attention to breath or paying attention to the sensations inside my body. And even then, uh, if I, even just following the book, right. And, and you can find all kinds of different suggestions for what to meditate on and how to do it. But there's, there's different things, you know, in the, in the book, one of the weeks was to do, uh, I think it's called exteroception where you, you pay attention to what's outside your body as opposed to interoception, which is to pay attention to what's inside. So like the feeling of your breath or your muscles and things like that is interoception with exteroception. You just listen to the sounds around you, for example, and, and just like pay attention to that. And that I found reasonably easy because the sounds were kind of more interesting and I could hear a sound and think about, oh, what's what's making that sound or where is that coming from? And it, in a sense, on that spectrum of boringness, that wasn't quite at the bottom because if you start paying attention to sounds in a weird way, it's actually kind of interesting and you start to pick up on a lot of stuff. You think, what what's making that sound? Is that the heater kicking on or what? And I think I hear a neighbor's car. I wonder what they're doing. You can kind of like get some interest out of that. Focusing on breath is pretty tough for me. I think that's towards the end of it's really simple. Your breath, you know, unless something is happening, it's not really changing. It's this pretty straightforward feeling. And that to me is like the harder end of, of what to stay focused on.
that was kind of a long, weird tangent to talk about the idea of the things that you focus on and how stimulating they are. But uh, does that but different, line up at different, all? Yeah, different stimuli are easier or harder to pay attention to. Right. And right. you're kind of finding the ones that work for you. Yeah. To Well, I I feel like the way to look at it is that there is this huge spectrum of stimulus that we are exposed to every day. And on the most, in, like the most intense, insane thing that we've come up with is Reddit and Facebook <laughs> or TikTok. Or TikTok. Yeah, actually TikTok, maybe even more so. Right now, yeah, yeah I, and that's probably why, at least in part, why it's done so well is that it's like the latest that science and research has to offer in terms of maximal stimulus. I mean, it's unbelievable how stimulating TikTok is. And on the, the very other end is something really, really simple, like you focusing on the feeling of your breath. I mean, that's about as far apart as they get. And so I have started to think about meditation, not just as me sitting down focusing on that very simple thing although that's a really valuable part of the process which is to practice doing like the the extreme it's it's like loading up a bunch of weight on a barbell and trying to do a, a heavy deadlift or something like it's the on the other end of the spectrum like practicing the hardest version which is focusing on something really simple like your breath but everything in between i've started to think more about like i have started listening to music again which I haven't actually been able to do for a long time. And I don't mean like, like everybody listens to music, but it's always right. in the background or it's, it's for this immediate jolt of emotion or, or something. And then you're kind of off to do something else. I have started putting on, I, I think this is kind of like a step below a movie or a TV show is music because it's less stimulating, but I'll put on some music, sit down, close my eyes, headphones on, and just try to listen to that piece of music. Maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's 15 or whatever, but listen to it from start to finish and not, not listen to it while I do something or even while I think about something, but just let my attention sit on the music and, and just reflect on it or not even, not even reflect on it, just experience it. And that's something I know that I used to be able to do as a child. And somewhere along the way, I don't haven't really been doing that because I can't because my attention is not good enough. I can't meditate to kind of use the word weirdly on music anymore. And I've started to do that again. And it's it's really, really wonderful. That's something that I I love. That I can begin to do again. Right. Well, I've noticed since doing this. You know, you, you sit down, you try to focus on one thing and then, of course, you know, just one by one, all these little things start right. popping up, trying to take your your interest or your focus. Then you just sort of one by one take them and put them away or, you know, try to, right. to shut them off. And when you start doing that, you realize, oh, wow, this happens a lot. But you also start recognizing what it feels like to take those thoughts and stop them or to sort of slow them down. You know, you kind of, you start to recognize this feeling of saying no to a distraction or, or a different thought. Yeah. Or, and allowing it to pass by, I think is the, 
sure however you want to say it sure um accepting the thought and sending it into yeah yeah you're right it's the, it's the wonderful okay. universe of eternity i don't whatever yeah you yeah, take yeah the thought and Fair you point. throw it in the trash and stomp on it whatever <laughs> what i've noticed is the rest of the day now that i i kind of know that feeling of saying no to the thought or crushing it or sending it off like a butterfly um <laughs> i i'm better able to do that um so you know when i'm focused on something that's not my breath or yeah. visualizing whatever you know when i'm trying to focus really hard i'm able to get rid of distractions a little bit better because i recognize the feeling of getting rid of those thoughts so i i noticed that that has been really beneficial to me i i think that's what i was kind of trying to to say with my weird mostly talk about tv sidetrack there yeah. is that that to me this is what i i meant earlier in that the actual meditation to me was not this life-altering thing at least in this the simplistic sense sitting down for eight minutes and trying to quiet my mind and focus on my breath or my body or something I didn't suddenly walk out of that a changed person or feeling so much happier. I, you know, it, it didn't transform my sleep, although I've been working a lot on sleep and I do think it's at least a little bit helpful, but I don't, I did not feel like anything terribly magical happened from that eight minutes, but that beginning to pay attention to what I pay attention to, which is a weird sentence, but I think it's it's accurate, like noticing where my attention goes and what thoughts are entering my head and practicing in a very literal sense of just trying to do it and trying to get better at it, not holding on to those thoughts and letting them go and being able to maintain my attention on something simple, something boring. Right. That so like using that throughout the entire rest of my life. That's that's the part that is really valuable to me. Yes. So one thing I started noticing, especially after that fourth day or, or whatever, at the end I felt really good. Now there's not huge, like yeah, I focused on one thing for a long time, mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you feel good, right? Like focusing doesn't mean that you feel good, but I felt really good by the end. And then a, a, a couple other days, I also felt really good by the end. And I was trying to figure out why is that? Why is it that your ability to focus, even if it's on something stupid, like your breathing, uh, mm. why is it that focusing on that can actually make you feel good? And well, I have a weird thought. I have no thoughts, so... <laughs> okay, I guess I'll go with my weird one. Yeah. All right, so there's this there's this book. It's an art book that was written in early 70s, late 60s or something. It's called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. And it's a little controversial. This lady kind of came up with this method of drawing. And it's... She sort of parades it as, like, you know, the all-knowing secret... Once you learn how to do this, you will be a complete artist and, you know, all your dreams will come true. Well, it's not really that simple, but whatever. Okay. She came up with this method of drawing where she's 
pretty much specifically targeting people like you, who adults who, when they draw, it looks like a toddler drew it, right? Okay, rude, but fine. <laughs> Sorry. Not wrong. Right, it's not wrong. They take... <laughs> Sorry. It just feels unnecessary, but <laughs> sorry, fine. sorry. Go ahead. They take people. Okay. They take people like you who, when they draw, it looks like a toddler, and they teach them how to draw realistically, or, you know, quote unquote, realistically. Yep. You can do a drawing that looks real, whereas normally when you draw, it looks like symbols, right? So if you were to draw a face, you would draw little circles or almonds for eyes and then triangle for a nose or. Something like that. Yeah. Maybe you'd do a little better, but it would or be, not. Just, it would fine. be, okay, sorry. It would be symbols, right? It wouldn't be how you're actually perceiving it. Anyway, the name of the book, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, kind of hints at this whole concept or theory that she came up with, with this neuroscientist, whatever. Basically what it says, and we could argue it, whether or not left and right brain is like a thing or blah, blah, blah. Anyway, just metaphorically, they're saying that you have a left brain and a right brain. And when it comes to drawing, people typically go with their left brain to draw, which, according to them, the left brain deals with verbal, uh, analytical systems, sequential systems. So like all the I don't know, the analytical stuff. You yeah. think math, numbers, verbal communication, all of that is like very left brain. And people typically try to draw from their left brain, like like you or like anyone before they learn how to draw. Yeah. And she she has all of these exercises, which fun fact, the the ultra learning guy, the author, I forget his name. Anyway, he did this. He did this whole thing with drawing on the right side of the brain and he actually did pretty good and he got pretty fast results anyway she has all these exercises that teach you how to switch from your left brain into your right brain uh, way of thinking and it really works i did this years ago and she talks you through it like doing this exercise one of them is you draw this picture of this, this horse and this rider, okay, which sounds very difficult to draw, and it is. It's a line drawing, and you're supposed to copy it. So you copy the line drawing, you look at it, and it looks awful. I mean, it's just god-awful because you're drawing on the left side of your brain, right? And this is a pretty common exercise. But anyway, you flip the picture upside down, and you do it again. And when you do it again, you're no longer relying on all of these symbols you have in your head all this super analytical thinking that you normally would use. And you, you, you have to rely on your visual system. Uh, and she refers to the right side of your brain as visual, spatial, perceptual system. So your pattern recognition, all of this creative other type of stuff. And I thought it was really interesting because I could really feel that switch when I started doing these exercises. And the results were there too. And one thing she talks about is the loss of, of your, your sense of time. So when you switch into your right brain, you lose your sense of time. And this happens every time I'm really deep into a drawing or a painting. I'm full, full visual system, full creativity. <laughs> There's like no analytical thinking. It's all just like this more abstract type of thinking. 
And I feel that way. I lose track of time and I feel good. It's like, it's very strange. And I think that this feeling is what happens when you meditate. And I wish I could have you do all the exercises and experience this, but... No, you already made fun of me. I'm not into it. Sorry. But you feel the switch. Yeah. First, you you start out kind of impatient. And then as you you go through maybe 10 minutes into it or or something, you, you start switching into this, oh, I have no sense of time and I feel really good. And you're totally focused on like a line or, or whatever. You're totally focused on what you're doing. And I think what's happening is you're switching from one set of system in your brain to the other set. And I think that a lot of people feel this when they meditate and they don't feel it any other place in their entire lives. So I'm an artist, so I, I get this feeling a lot. But I think a lot of other people don't experience this. Like you don't do drawing. I mean, I'm sure there are many other ways. I used to feel like this way when I played music is you, you get this like rush of a really mm-hmm. good feeling. But I think that there are people that when they start to meditate, they've never felt that feeling in anything else they've ever done. And so it's this life-changing event for them. Maybe I'm making connections where they're not there, but... it's. I mean, it's that's a really interesting thing to think about at least uh, from what i understand about more modern neuroscience the idea of left brain and right brain is not really right 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 but but it doesn't really matter that much because who cares if it's physically located here or there it's a, it's a useful way to think about things we understand right. that you can rely on more a concrete logic or or more symbolic reasoning you know you could look at a line drawing and try to take a very literal interpretation of this line goes in this place and this line goes here or you could try to see the basic shapes and the basic symbols it's at least a useful way to think about it whether or not it's literally right brain left brain doesn't really matter i've heard it put as focused modes of thinking and diffuse modes of thinking I don't know if that's even necessarily the same thing, but one pretty specific thing that I have noticed, this is actually a a, a difficulty for me. It's kind of weird, but often I will sit down to meditate and I'm, I'm trying to focus on my breath or something like that. I'm trying to not allow the, that waterfall of thoughts and, and everything to, just carry me away and i'm trying to keep my mind clear in a sense and sometimes i'll be doing that and ideas it's almost like like i'm no longer focused on a single thing no longer staring at the line trying to get it exactly right i don't i'm probably abusing your example here but whatever i'm no longer focused on something i'm trying to just let my mind be calm And sometimes it feels like I start to make these connections between different concepts and ideas that I just have not, it's not even what I'm thinking about. It's like they're just there and my brain is able to relax and and start to reach into different areas and go, wow, this thing is a whole lot like this thing. And maybe that's how I ought to approach that problem that I was working on two weeks ago. And it's actually hard for me when that starts to happen. I start to have this dilemma of, do I want, like, do I discard that thought and try right, to get right. back to 
having a, a this clear, simple mind because that's the state that got me to that interesting thought in the first place. But at the same time, this is actually really cool. And some of these connections are things that are in some cases really great for me. There, there's I've been able to in sitting down to meditate, I have solved certain problems just with my job or with some like very technical thing right. that I wasn't able to do before. And it's, it's actually really amazing. And I think it's at least similar to what you're saying in that it's a mode of thinking that is not readily accessible, especially, especially in modern life where, right. I mean, if you, if you start to observe when you get done with something, the literal second you're done, you usually instantly put your attention on something else. If I am working on something and I go in the timer dings, I'm like, sweet, break time, finally can stop, boom, right into something else, right onto the phone or into a browser tab or reading about God knows what. Like, I, my, we're almost always focused on a singular thing. And I, I think what you're saying is probably true in that for many people, to some degree, myself included, are, we're not really in that mode of thinking. Whether you call it right brain, left brain, focus, diffuse, whatever, it probably doesn't matter. Those right. are probably incredibly simplistic terms for something very complicated. But I do think that there is a unique mode of, of thinking that happens in meditation that doesn't necessarily happen in other places. And I think a lot of people mistake that shift in, in state of mind. They kind of mistake it for, I don't know, some sort of supernatural experience which i don't know but <laughs> we i we, I we think can leave just our discussion be... of supernatural experiences at that which is personally not into magic but i just i i think that what's happening is you're switching from one state of mind to a different state of mind it's yeah. not like on a different plane of existence it's not like you know you have to be a level 12 super meditator in order to achieve it. I think it's just like, it's a shift in, in brain functions. And yeah. that other function is act, can actually feel really good. And I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. Okay. One other slightly different result that I got that I wanted to get into real quick was... I would say the major part of, of what I, I found to be valuable and, and the major goal that I had was to essentially just practice holding my attention on something in the way that you practice weightlifting or running or something else. You know, you run because you want to be faster and you want to have a better adapted cardiovascular system and so on. A big part of me wanting to meditate was to sit there and focus on something really boring like my breath and just be better at being able to hold my my attention to something and like i said that that now is something that i pay attention to in my entire life but there's something else which is it the problem that you recognize instantly as soon as you try to do this is that there is this cascade of thoughts and all kinds of things that immediately start pulling you into all kinds of stuff. And I, I, I mean, even after having done this for 30 or 40 days, whatever it's been, uh, very often that's exactly what happens. I, I don't, I'm not terribly good at this at all. 
But what's very revealing is what those thoughts are. And in some cases, they're really stupid. It, one one uh, pro tip that I learned, this is uh, just another thing that's happening right now, but you know, I've decided that the the stimulate uh, the stimulating stuff the stuff that i would do on my phone on the computer that no longer is allowed to happen close to bedtime and it also can't happen in the morning because i probably i think keeping the phone out of the bedroom in the morning is more valuable than at night because if it's there in the morning i'll pick it up i'll open up my email open up discord open up whatever you know hacker news or something and there's just something enters my mind right away it's like my mind is relatively blank i've just opened i just booted up the computer for the day and it's just it's immediately starts shoving crap in there and if i do that i've noticed this if i open the phone and just even silly random stuff like apple announced they're not changing the lightning port on iphones it's they're not going to go to USB-C. and i'm like ah apple evil hey can't believe they're doing that they just want money and then i go down and meditate and it's like that's what i'm thinking about for those eight minutes like wow i can't even imagine something more trivial and irrelevant to me than the charging port on an iphone that kind of stuff filters in there so being able to to meditate and actually see or examine the thoughts that are passing through my mind is very revealing and i've learned that for one just the timing of things is important shoving random nonsense into your brain the second you wake up is bad don't do that I, I very, very strongly think that. In fact, I would say if you're choosing between meditating and not having your phone in the bedroom in the morning, I would go with not having your phone in the bedroom in the morning. If, if you were the type of person who picks it up and starts doing stuff, uh, that's probably been bigger for me. So, yeah, what I noticed, too, is that it's not so much that meditating itself changed my whole day, yeah. but what it did was stop me right at that moment and you start yeah. paying attention to what's happening and that was revealing because yes. it's oh wow i screwed up my morning right or you know like you just you notice what's going on it's not like things are totally chaotic i meditate and then everything's perfect after that right it's not necessarily right. like that it's and oh. that's that's what i was trying to say is that the <laughs> meditating benefited me hugely in convincing me to not do a bunch of dumb stuff on my phone in the morning because that dumb stuff on my phone in the morning i mean it just i could meditating revealed that that trivial nonsense is polluting my mind in a sense and that it's occupying my thoughts that's not what i want in there it's almost always stuff that i didn't didn't seek out it's not what i want uh, and, and then the, there are, I mean, that's a relatively trivial or not trivial, but it's a simple example. Pick up your phone, look at random internet stuff. It gets, it clogs up your brain. That's the simplest way to put it, I think. But also there were other things that were revealing in that there were certain things that would stress me out. Just recurring thoughts that would happen day after day. And I think, man, I you know, this aspect of my job isn't right. I need to change it or this aspect of my life or this relationship or whatever. Like there's this bigger stuff that starts to come about. And it, we've gone down this road a little bit before, but it's made me start to think a lot, even more about memory, 
and memory seems like the simplest thing you think oh memory yeah you, yeah you want to remember stuff or we talk about the memory tricks and things like that you don't have to think about memory too long before it starts to get really existential and gets into questions of the meaning of life and whatnot and one of the one of the simplest aspects of memory is that you tend to remember the things that you think about, right? And if I think back to, here's something specific. I went to a private Christian school in seventh grade. Now I did the numbers on this. You know, there's about 180 school days in the year and there's seven hours or so in a school day. So I was in school that year for 1,000 to 1,200 hours. It's a lot of hours, right? I'll tell you what I remember from that. I remember this little 20-second episode where it was a Christian school. So we were, uh, like once a week, we'd do like a chapel type of thing, a little sort of a church service. And I remember uh, there were different grades, and I had a friend who was a grade up from me. He was in eighth grade, I was in seventh grade. And so he walked in and sat kind of in the front row, and our grade kind of walked in behind him. And he was a friend of mine that I had had from before school. So usually I would go sit with him and we'd talk a little bit or whatever. And so he went and sat down and then his other friends, the people from his grade were all around him. And one of them said, ha, you got to sit with Michael New. That sucks. And then so they like, however many of them laughed. And then another one was like, man, you really should dump that guy. And that was it. And I, you know, didn't go sit with him. And and this friend of mine, he kind of laughed, but he didn't didn't like engage, go, yeah, he sucks. He was just like, I, I, I don't know. He, he handled it about as well as an eighth grader could have. So I, I credit him that. But I remember that. I'll tell you the other memory I have from seventh grade. I don't mean to get too far down into weird personal stuff, but it's I promise it'll mean something. I also remember the the one friend that I had in seventh grade that like from seventh grade that I met his name was Ty he invited me to his birthday party and I remember it, it worked out to where I I went to I think it was the YMCA for it might have been like your basketball game or something like that and his house was across the street it was right there and he's like oh you're gonna be at the basketball game just come to my birthday you'll be right there and I remember getting there and being unable to go to his house because I was so uh, paralyzed with anxiety from just, I just had so much social anxiety that the thought of walking into this person's house of potentially people I don't know is just terrifying. And I remember just standing there in his yard. He doesn't know I'm there. I'm just looking at his door and like, I just couldn't do it. And so this guy, my only friend, I didn't go to his birthday party. And I don't think very many people showed up because I just couldn't, I was too... Those are my memories from seventh grade. It's freaking awful. Any more you want to get off your chest while we're here? Yeah, they're all like that, okay? <laughs> There's probably a few more I could go through. They suck. That's what I remember from seventh grade. And Did the you ever reason tell him that you We're not friends anymore. It didn't work out. Largely my fault. The reason why. That's what I remember out of the 1,200 hours that I spent at 7th grade. It's because that's what I thought about. Something crappy would happen, and then I would think about it for a long time. 
I mean, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still talking about it. And those are just of... There, your mind chooses this tiny, tiny fraction of your experiences to remember. It's so small. You know, I have the 1,200 hours. I remember 40 seconds. And that's the 40 seconds that my mind has chosen to remember. And it's mostly because that's what has been thought about and reinforced. That's where my mind goes. And meditating in the mornings and just even for this small amount of time, it is revealing in the sense that it shows me what's going on in my head. Sometimes the, the thoughts that you're having aren't, you're having them, but you're not necessarily conscious that you're having them. You don't notice that you think about the same negative thing all the time or, you know, some, you know, my wife, Sam, you know, she said something years ago that I didn't like and I still think about it for no reason, just for absolutely no reason. And that's the thing that's becoming crystallized in my brain from two years ago, just because I, I don't know, I have these maladaptive thought patterns or whatever. It's very revealing in that sense. And it made me think about seventh grade. And I mean, the story from high school is about the same. And so I have started to think that, again, with memory, you know, if, if you, if somebody wiped out all your memories and would you be the same person anymore? If you forgot all your experiences, if you would almost certainly be a different person, if somebody took out all your memories and put someone else's in there in a, in a, in a weird sense, but I think in a very true sense, you do have some choice in what you remember and what you remember determines who you are. You know, I could have remembered good things that happened from seventh grade, but I didn't. And so it has made me think that I, I want to, I don't want to remember the crappiest thing that I can think of out of the past few years. Like that's just, that's kind of becomes who I am. That becomes what happened to me in seventh grade. So I have a new ritual at night, which is no phone. I don't want to be distracted by, by that stuff. I go get in bed and I lay there. And I mean, this, this takes a minute or two. It's very simple. But as I lay there, I, there's a, a three-step process. First, I think about the stuff that I worked on. You know, I'm practicing StarCraft, start playing piano again. Like the, the just the skill-based things that I've worked on. And there's some evidence to say that if you recall those things in your mind, your mind actually kind of starts to, to replay them and, and it, it kind of prioritizes that as something to, to keep in your brain. Like, okay, I want that. If I'm trying to progress at a skill, then that's, you know, that's relevant. So I want that to stick around. I don't want to be distracted. I want that to be back in my mind. So I'll think through that stuff. And I'm not like trying to recall every detail or anything. It's just, I want that to be present in my mind. Step two, I think back through the day, just a day, I think, what are the cool things that happened? What What is the stuff that I liked? You know, I, I don't think about the stuff that, that was bad. I don't think about some unpleasant exchange. And it could be the simplest stuff in the world. Like, oh, today the sun was out and I played with a dog for a few minutes and it was really fun. You know, the dog's not going to live forever. I want to remember the good moments. So I just like, just remember that. And think, oh, Sam and I, we, we went out to eat and it was really fun and we made some jokes. Like, I'll just remember that. You know, I'll just pick out the things that I liked from the day and I'll think about them in like the simplest possible sense because I want that stuff to be the things that my mind decides to hang on to. If that's going to, you know, I want the point 
0.01% of the time that I spend that I'm actually going to remember to be good things, not bad things. And that's step two. And then step three is to turn everything off and quietly float in the ocean of nightmares and wait for sleep. And that's that's my three-step process to go to sleep at night. And it's great. Nice. I think it's actually a really potentially life-changing thing in the sense that I've, I'm now thinking about what I think about and, and the memories that I'm forming. And I want to, I want them to be good, not terrible. I don't, I don't know what to add to that. I mean, yeah. All right. Well, if we want to, if we want to wrap up this, and this is what I'll leave with. The hype of meditation for me turned out to be not it. I don't I don't think sitting down for eight minutes and having you know what that, I think Go ahead. I I think the word meditation is just really stupid. I think it's too vague. Yeah. It it's too vague. And it, it doesn't mean mm -hmm. what it should mean. Like like maybe we call what we do uh brain practice or focus practice or focus exercise, right? Because that's yeah. more accurate. Like meditation, it just encompasses too much. It's almost like uh, religion, right? It, it's, you know, yeah. you wouldn't say, oh, I practice religion because that's, good Lord, that can mean right. anything. It's, yeah, I just, yeah, I think that's the problem is the label of it. It turns people off or turns people onto it that, mm -hmm. I don't know, it just, it's not accurate. Well, whatever you call it, that uh, that eight minutes of sitting there and trying to focus on my breath, that by itself, no miracles, nothing terribly exotic happened. But in the endeavor of beginning to pay attention to my thoughts and beginning to practice focus and just drawing attention to how well does my attention work and and I focus on something as simple as a movie or a song or whatever, and just trying to practice better focus and thinking about what I think about and memory and all of that stuff. That has been profound for me. It, it's a whole part of my life and existence that I hadn't really thought about before. And it, it feels like there's big improvements that I can make in something that I it didn't even occur to me needed to be improved before. You know, I would think you remember what you remember. It's what your mind does. No, it's not actually. You you do have some some agency there. You know, you That's where I'm at. So I'm going to keep doing it. But keep doing it too. Cool. Um, I think I'll make it longer though cuz 8 minutes seems too short. Yeah. It's a weird mix because in a sense 8 minutes is nice because you can pretty much, it's not hard to convince yourself to do it. And some days, if it just doesn't feel like it's really working, it's like, well, okay, that, that wasn't great, but eight minutes is up and I'm going to go do whatever. But then other times when you really start to feel like you're, you know, in the groove and it, it feels really good, then it goes by really quick. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We're going to be off next week because I have some guests in town. I think you're busy too. But we'll be back 
and we're probably gonna take a little bit of a break for the holidays so we're gonna be kind of wrapping up the season here in the next uh, couple weeks so let us know if there's anything you really want to to get in there and have us talk about uh, but otherwise we'll, we'll see you in a couple weeks thanks for listening leave a comment here on youtube uh, leave us a review on podcast platforms you can check out our discord you can email us at the overanalyzers podcast at gmail.com see you in two weeks